Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Hey, hey, folks, it's Steve Azar. It is time, I said it's time, for another In a Mississippi Minute. Always grateful for you guys tuning in on Super Talk Mississippi with me for over six years. What's happened to time? Oh, yeah. Visit Mississippi.org. A lot of rock star stuff that screams Mississippi. Check it out. We're going to celebrate Mississippi again today in a very special way with today's guest from a music, Mississippi music and arts enthusiast to understanding the need of celebrating individually leaning on the history of a place, that being your community, to lift up the morale on the broad shoulders of history and in turn make a positive economic impact. I know that was a lot to swallow, just stay with me. That's what today's guest is all about. And as a writer, he's prolific, and we will dive deep into his works today. Uh, That's where I really want to take this interview, if he will allow me. Oh, and as a friend, he has become one of my very good ones. That, That I am most, most humbly grateful, I can tell you that. My guest today also... Uh, has 29 hours in a day because he serves on more boards than I can even count. You know, he's one of those guys that's always doing it. Mississippi Tourism Association Executive Board and President. Mississippi Tourism Board, um, Mississippi Delta Tourism Board served as president three times. Mississippi Blues Foundation Board Member, E.E. Bass Foundation Executive Board, Greenville Arts Council Executive Board, Bridging the Blues, which was an incredible program. We can talk a little bit about that. Former producer of the International Blues Challenge and Blues Awards, Where's the Time? So let's get to it with my pal, the Executive Director, Executive is like the theme here, of Washington County Convention and Visitors Bureau, my pal, Wesley Smith. Hey, Wesley. Good morning. Took me a minute to get all that out, you know? I'm that was, a, what do you think? That was outstanding. Yeah, well... I tell you what, I don't know if outstanding ever fits what I do, but it comes from the heart, you know. Absolutely. How are you doing today? I'm good. I got some coffee and ready to tell you some stories today. Okay, good. All right. Well, first of all, I want to talk about the arts, music in particular, and your love affair of it. And why do you feel like, especially in Mississippi, you were born a Delta boy, why do you feel like to use it and celebrate it, lift it up, especially in your own territory, your own specific community, to fill up the bank uh, while doing so. Make sense? Yeah. So, Steve, I grew up in, in Greenwood. 
you know, on the hill side of the Delta as opposed to the riverside where you were born and raised. And I sort of fell in love with Mississippi's music. I discovered it like a lot of people. I traced the music of my generation back and found so much of it was based in uh, from Mississippi artists. So my dad had a 62 Dodge Dart when I was a kid, and he had an 8-track player in it. And he had a Jimmy Reed 8-track, and I wore it out. And Jimmy, as you know, because you hold the uh, Songwriters Festival out at Dunleaf, was from Dunleaf, Mississippi, outside of Leland. And that sort of got me started. And then I got into the Rolling Stones and other things, and I just started tracing music back. And we we talk about this, but um, when you get into it, it is it is unbelievable the, the the musical and artistic history you can you can trace back to Mississippi. I mean, pop culture itself. Um, whether you like it or don't like it, or you like your generation's pop culture and you don't like the current, whatever the case may be, it all traces directly back from back to Mississippi. Um, and once I, once you find those connections, it gets really fascinating. And pop culture, again, whether we like it or not, rules the world. Yeah, politics follows culture. Everything, the things our kids buy. The things we listen to, all of that has an economic impact. Um, and so that, in addition to its cultural and artistic value, it has huge economic power. Yeah. And so my day-to-day job is, is promoting tourism in Mississippi, and I see what this does. I, I know the power of it and how it affects our economy. And, and if we continue to build on it, how it can how that can even strengthen and grow, you know what I mean? Yeah, we're talking to Wesley Smith. Wesley, you sent me a video the other day of your two babies your, that aren't babies anymore at a Taylor Swift <laughs> concert, right? And it was when she came out. And you talk about the Beatles obviously influenced the British invasion. You and I were together over in Liverpool when we left a blues trail marker there. We saw the enthusiasm when we were doing so over there from the folks who just appreciate who we are over here so much in awe of where we're from. And they know that if it's not from, you know, for us, then the Beatles don't really exist. The Stones don't really exist. Maybe they exist, but they don't exist like they did. And they probably never make the impact that they did because of the influence that Muddy Waters, et cetera, had on them. It's interesting, just like Elvis and now Taylor you know, sort of bookending all this craziness. When the fans just seem to just lose their minds, the Beatles had it, of course, with their invasion. I mean, people just went wild. You know, sort of like Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholson, and Tiger Woods, and then now it's Taylor Swift. Now, I'm not sure if Taylor's been influenced by the Delta or not, but in some way she has to have. But just seeing your daughters go absolutely berserk, and you think about economic impact in Music City in Nashville where they went to watch her perform. It's pretty special. It's crazy, and this is not, you know, this is this is all relatively new in the past hundred years. You, I mean, the first one was kind of Sinatra. It would make make ladies swoon and make teenagers, you know, dance or whatever. And and you had the big band there, but Sinatra was really an icon. And then Elvis, and then the Beatles, and now Steve, it's Taylor. Yeah, we have, we have a female icon. I mean, I sent you that video. My, my daughters are 12 and 9, um, and it was like watching people react to the Beatles at the height of Beatlemania. It's pretty amazing. I'm impressed by Taylor. I think that our daughter, Cecilia, because Taylor opened for me in, and it was brief, by the way, because as fast as she blew up. Um, 
and as big as she's become, obviously she's sur- surpassed every artist in the world, but she ho- she opened for me up in Detroit, and I think Cecilia got her first autograph ever. I mean, I really believe wow. that. But she was always so gracious. She's still gracious. She hasn't lost her mind, in, at least up to this interview. By the time this interview airs, if she does, I apologize. <laughs> Look, she's been impressive as a human being, you know, being a star, and not... Right going off the deep end so kudos to taylor for that so wesley let's dig into the why the how the when i mean these are sort of cliff note versions if i may uh just great short stories about so much history in mississippi particularly when it comes to our music history yeah i i just started reading about it and i don't see i guess it's the way my mind works i just i think you know, there's some little anecdote I find really interesting. I'm able to just hang on to it. And a lot of the things I found, um, it's not that this history's hidden, it's connecting one dot to another. Hmm. And I and I think that's maybe what I have a knack for, and, and now I just really enjoy it um, and search for these stories. How are you... Anything particular you want well, to Well, no, we're going to, I've got them all in front of me, but we're going to have to take a break. <laughs> Please tell me you thought about putting these uh, in a coffee table book sort of uh, presentation. Yeah? Tell me. And yeah, release them yeah, that way. I, I didn't initially, but, um, but yeah, as, as the pile grows, yeah. um, I'm thinking about doing something like that for sure. Yeah. I'm looking at a pretty large body of work that you just gave me that's just a short list so i think that that would make for an incredible book we're with my pal wesley smith i'm telling you guys if you ever walked in his office and the first time i did uh i am a broken record here but it was painted in mississippi art from uh show posters uh concerts to uh i mean it was just guitars all this crazy artwork artists from the delta I mean, it's on his ceiling, it's on his floors, it's everywhere, and that excited me when I moved back home, and thus, our relationship has blossomed. Don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. Visit Mississippi.org is exactly what we are preaching today. Hey, folks, it's Steve Azar, and if you're a business owner, then you probably spent too much money on your taxes over the past couple of years especially as you fought through the pandemic. But you may be eligible to get some of that money back. If your business has five or more W-2 employees, then you could receive up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. It's not a loan. It's a refund on taxes you shouldn't have paid in the first place. This is a tricky program that is misunderstood by the majority of business owners and is best accessed by using lawyers that understand the details. That's why I recommend my friends at Frascona Law. They have already helped thousands of businesses just like years they do all the work for you and you don't pay them a dime until you receive your refund money from the irs your business can qualify for these funds even if you receive ppp loans even if you are a nonprofit, even if you've experienced an increase in sales let my friends at frascona law conduct a free evaluation of your business to help you access up to twenty six thousand dollars per employee visit frasconalaw.com slash azar to get started Frascona is spelled F-R-A-S-C-O-G-N-A. This tax refund is only available for a limited time, so act now. Visit frasconalaw.com slash Azar to start the process of claiming your business's overpaid taxes. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
I'm Steve Azar with my pal Wesley Smith. Visit Mississippi.org. Do, should I say more? Should I say more? Why don't you just check it out? Check it out. Uh, all right, we're talking Rufus Thomas, and uh, we're rolling right now. Uh, a lot of folks don't know the impact he made on musical history, which was vast. So let's wrap uh, wrap him up in a nice little bow, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, so again, Rufus was the first hit on Sun and the, had the first hit on Stax. And if you play that out, Steve, this, this Mississippian, um, he had those first hits, which gave gave those labels the breathing room financially to record other people. So we're talking about Elvis Presley, Otis Redding, Carl Perkins, Isaac Hayes, Johnny Cash, Wilson Pickett, Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. Sam and Dave. That list goes on and on. And they got their break because Rufus had those first hits. And if you again, if you play that out, I mean that that represents. 71 Grammy Awards, eight Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, inductees. Wow. And, of course, the music you danced to at many a Mississippi Delta party over the years. But, listen, when 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 I was in 2001, I was working at the Blues Foundation of Memphis. And in those days, Rufus was the MC of the WC Andy Blues Awards. And he used to come and hang out at our office periodically. And as his health was failing, failing him, he... Uh, He'd just come sit with us. He had a lady that took care of him in the day. And right after 9-11, Steve, um, she dropped Rufus off at the office. And you can remember kind of how surreal it was. I mean, this is several months um, after 9-11. But we had a great, great visit with him. And I remember he got up, and he headed for the door. He's walking on a cane. And he turned around. He kind of said goodbye, and he turned around. And pointed at us and said, if I don't see you again in this life, I'll see you on Bill Street. <laughs> and he died that night. Wow. Was he Our sick? Two blocks from Bill. Just what, what a legend. Um, I had this funeral. The governor of Tennessee came. The head of Naris at the time was Michael Green that does the Grammy Awards was there. Um, the music industry knew how important he was. Mm. And Memphis and Tennessee knew how important he was to their their culture, but uh, listen, when we left the funeral, B.B. talked at the funeral, and when we left, you know, it's a tradition in Memphis that, that when a music icon dies, they did this for B.B. years later, no matter where the cemetery is you're going, they will process down Bill, hmm. and WDIA played all his hits all day long, and they asked us in the funeral procession to turn up our radios all on WDIA, roll the windows down. And there must have been two or three hundred cars rolling through Memphis, rolling down Beale Street, and then on to the on to the funeral. It, it was amazing. But Rufus was a Mississippian and a great one, and he's one of the one of the early ones. But there are a lot of people like this that have been so important. You know, you think about what you said earlier. Every label has to have the hit to yeah. springboard into other hits. It, it it creates revenue you have to have. It creates credibility that you need. And all of a sudden, you become, you know, the hot one. And everybody's going, oh, that label's hot. And it helps develop relationships within the music business that allows you to, you know, get records played on the radio. I mean, it is a, a domino effect that you have to have to be a successful record label. And you think about the dominoes that were about to fall when you mentioned all of those Grammys, all those acts 
just from Memphis alone yeah. from his there influence. Has to be a sun and has to be a stack for all of those artists to reach us. He was from Sunflower? No, Rufus was from um, Rufus was from Casey, Mississippi. It's in Marshall County. Oh, Marshall County. I got you. I got you. I got you. It's amazing. You know, you think about while we celebrate ourselves and while we lift ourselves up as the birthplace of America's music. I mean, you could just almost go to the second level, you know, yeah. or the third level and use those group of artists and it would probably hold itself up with the rest of the world. I mean, it's insane because it just it's no, nothing. I mean, no, I'm in Mississippi and obviously I'm biased. Nothing touches Mississippi's impact on music. No other place. It all traces yeah. here. Um, Wesley, I know you love music, and I know that the arts have seeped into your entire being, but do you feel like if you were born, say, in Maine or Delaware, right? Or Because I say this. If I was born in Maine or Delaware or somewhere in Oregon or whatever, um, it, you know, if I just don't see me having a shot at doing what I do for a living. There's no way. There's no way. I wouldn't have the appreciation yeah. as well. So what do you think about if you grew up somewhere else besides Greenwood? Well, you know, it's funny you say that because think how many artists you know, Steve, that you've met from all over who know Mississippi's music. I mean, it's possible you wouldn't be as steeped in it, but you probably would have found it. Yeah. Because we see artists, you know, Robert Plant in Mississippi from time to time. We, you know, you, you, you see these people that pay homage to Mississippi, and wherever they're from, if they're a musician, they're, they have traced what they love back to Mississippi, searching for the roots of it. Yeah. And yeah. it still has an impact on their music. You know, for me, though, Wesley, I don't know if there was, you know, I feel like I, I was definitely given some gifts but they were gifts that just weren't so obvious, and I had to work really hard. So, sure. and I, I think that a lot of folks have to work really hard, right? And in in our business, in any business, they say the old ten hour, ten what, ten thousand hour rule. I mean, I know I think I probably took thirty thousand hours because I was slow at times. But with that said. I do feel like Mississippi's impact on me, and it's well documented. Uh, I just feel like there's no shot without it. I have to be born here. Oh, I get it. I have to be born here. It's just crazy. Especially uh, your music. You know, yeah. we yeah. I'll tell everybody a little secret. So we so we work on these Viking uh, um, events. Viking Cruises has an event in town, and one of the great quotes we heard from from one of the passengers was, "She said you were the." Uh, you were like the Bruce Springsteen of Mississippi. And what she meant was your music is so influenced by Mississippi, the, the way you visualize things, that that's what she could. I think she was from New Jersey. Yeah. And, of course, Springsteen's known, known for that, too. And I thought that was an apt representation. It's crazy um, when I saw that quote. She said, what she yeah. said, she said, you are the, what Bruce Springsteen, you are to the Mississippi River, what Bruce Springsteen is to the Jersey Shore. Yeah, that's it. And that's the greatest quote. I wish you would have written that when I was uh, in my heyday. It may have 
may have pushed me a little further. No, listen, I'm totally humbled by stuff like that. But when I see something like that, you know, as an artist, you always want to gravitate and, and soak in the good comments because there's plenty of bad ones. You want me to tell you some bad ones? I got them. I could find them. <laughs> so, so anyways, part of, I appreciate that. That lady was nice. But yes, we are embarking on something that is celebrating who we are. And it's been a blast doing that with you as my partner in crime for right. sure. Um, and okay. So, Let's move on real quick. Let's well, I want to tell you about. Can I tell you about Vivian Carter? Sure. Wait, where's Vivian Carter in my notes here? Let me see that. Is she in here? Yeah. Look. Look at. Uh, I refer to her as the Delta native who brought us the Beatles. Wow. I'm in. Let's go, Vivian. Come on. And this is one not people, not many folks know. So I'm gonna try to roll through it. So take your time. Take your time. 102 years ago, Steve. There's a lady named Vivian Carter. She was born in Tunica County, and she lived there for the first six years of her life. And then, like, of course, thousands and ultimately millions of African-American families, um, she moved with her parents north. And they ended up settling in Gary, Indiana, you know, as part of the Great Migration. And the Great Migration, if you want to know how our music got everywhere, the music of our region um that is what you should be looking at. Um, there's a great book called The Warmth of Other Suns by a lady named Isabel Wilkerson. And if you have any interest in any of this, you should read that book. It is, it is a fascinating book about this part of American history. But So Vivian moves to Gary, Indiana, which is about 25 miles south of downtown Chicago. It's on the southern tip of Lake Michigan. Um, Gary was a company town. It started in 1906 by U.S. Steel. Um, and she ended up, she graduates from Roosevelt High School in Gary in 1939. She works as a quartermaster for World War II. Um, and in 48, she's kind of interested in music already. In 48, WGEF Chicago DJ, a guy named Al Benson. Al was one of the most popular DJs in, in Chicago at the time, um, on the south and west side of Chicago. And Al, Mr. Benson, interestingly enough, like so many connections between Chicago and Mississippi, was actually from Jackson, Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar with my pal Wesley Smith. Visit Mississippi.org. Check it out. We'll be right back. Highway 61. Hey, folks, Steve Azar here, and like my song says, I'm still trying to find my way around. So wherever life takes you, Guarantee Bank is here to help. Visit with a bank representative to make sure your accounts and services meet your current and future needs. Give us a call at 662-247-1454 and visit one of our friendly 25 branches or check out more at gbtonline.com. Guarantee Bank, member FDIC. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm with my pal Wesley Smith, hanging out in Greenville. We're both in Greenville today, but we're not together, and that's because, you know, 
I like to have my little space. And actually, it sounds better when I call. Uh, I'm not quite set up. I need to talk to Houston. Houston, if you're listening, we have a problem. Uh, Houston at Super Talk is our guy that fixes everything. So we are with my pal Wesley Smith. And visit Mississippi.org. What he does, uh, he's like a limb, sort of, uh, that grows wonderful leaves and fruit. It's bountiful every year as uh, part of the uh, state CVB, uh, which uh, helps celebrate just who we are in our particular areas uh, and create an economic impact that is totally positive. But on a side note, he loves to write these cool short stories. All right, we're going to start now with Rufus. Take me home. All right, Rufus. So Rufus, obviously we're talking about Rufus Thomas. Yep. Uh, Rufus was a Mississippian. I, Steve, I spent a, about a decade in Memphis, a lot of that producing um, music events, uh, before I moved back to the Delta in 2008. And I struck up a number of friendships with people that were already legends to me, uh, but they were still around Memphis. And one of the greatest characters I ever met was Rufus Thomas. So talking to Rufus was like, looking through a window um, in the progression of American music. Um, Rufus was born the same age, the same year the first jazz record came out hmm. in 1917 in Casey, Mississippi, in Marshall County, and he was the son of a sharecropper. He moved to Memphis as a child around 1920, which was the same year the first blues record was released. And by age 10, Steve was performing in the streets of Memphis as a tap dancer. 36, he signs on with the Rabbit's Foot Minstrels, which was a uh, well-regarded, well-known minstrel show at the time. A lot of great artists came out of that. Um, hey, real quick, real quick for our yeah. listeners, a minstrel show. Can you elaborate? Yeah, so by this period I'm talking about, they started post-Civil War, and they have a controversial history in that in that time period. But, but by the time Rufus is there, they're basically African-American sort of variety shows so you'd, you they would travel imagine we don't have any really mass media you don't even have uh, you barely have record players most people can't afford them still at this time so you would get your your entertainment it, it would be kind of like a church tent revival but it'd be a variety show might be tap dancers musicians singers comedians um and they would go from town to town gotcha. put on these shows yeah so that's how rufus kind of got started and then he um i mean a lot of people started that way bessie smith ma rainey louis jordan um charles neville is a young man one of the neville brothers brownie mcgee um all of these folks and if you're not familiar with some of these names look them up yeah look them up they're amazing artists hey wesley but, you know what you got me thinking you think about the yeah. variety shows that became such big hits like the mandrells carol burnett um, there were so many shows oh, yeah. that that were up. basically that, right? You had you had comedy, you had dancing, you had singing, you had theater, little theater, a little plays built in a show. Amazing, right? Taking that same that same theory and applying it to television when that became the prominent medium, yeah. you know, Smothers Brothers, etc. Yeah, yeah. So, so Rufus ends up, I'm going to speed up a little bit, he ends up moving to Memphis in 1940. He gets married, and guess who officiated his wedding? Who the pastor was at his wedding? In what year? This was 1940. 
He got married at the New Salem huh. Baptist Church in Memphis. Uh, well, I, I want to guess, but I don't want to sound stupid. Here's one of those okay. times. I'm going to tell you, the Reverend C.L. Franklin. Yeah, I'd have missed. I'm glad I didn't say what was on my mind. Everybody would have gone, what's wrong with your, Steve, you're yeah. a few decades off. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, Rev, Reverend Franklin was from Sunflower, Mississippi, and he then he went on to Memphis, and then he then he went on up to Detroit and became a very famous uh, pastor. Probably what he's most known for is he's the father of Aretha Franklin. Oh, I got you. Okay, that's right. Because I was sitting there going like, why am I supposed to know that? Well, for a minute, you had me thinking the Chevy Chase movie when uh, when uh, there was some movie that you were supposed to, I don't know if it was Fletch or something, or maybe it was uh, uh, Vacation, when he, <laughs> he, makes, he makes a comment. Of, and and the answer is the unobvious. And I thought that's what you threw at me, but you didn't. Uh, yeah, anyway, go uh, ahead. It was very obvious. So... Um, so Rufus, you know, obviously I grew up hearing about him all the time from my grandparents, yeah. you know, being in well, Clarksdale. He, that's right. I mean, these people knew who Rufus was. He ends up working on Bill. He's the MC of the amateur night shows at the Palace Theater on, on Bill in the 40s and the 50s. And he helped a lot of young artists get their start, including B.B. Including King, Bobby Blue Bland, Johnny A. People that are having, they would go on to have hits. And B.B. used to say publicly over the years that um, when you performed in those shows, you weren't allowed to perform on back-to-back shows. But Rufus would let B.B. do that. Rufus saw something in B.B. Wow. Everybody who performed on the show got paid $1. And you got more if you won. But, <laughs> but B.B. would say $1 provided him with enough money for car fare for the week. As he wow. struggled in, in those early days, wow. and and Rufus said he did it because he he saw something special in BB. So in the in the fifties, he goes on. He becomes a DJ on WDIA radio, um, which was formatted to appeal to a black audience. And this was one of the first, if not the the first, radio stations that did that. And by the way, WDIA was purchased, and when it was transitioning or before it transitioned to to um, marketing strictly to a black audience, it was purchased by two guys from Greenville who had owned a radio station here. Wow. And yeah. up there in so, um, so at that point, you, you can hear WDIA, especially in those days, from the Mississippi Delta all the way up through the Missouri boot heel. And so Rufus kind of became a big celebrity. Now listen to this, Steve. 1953, Rufus goes into Sun Records in Memphis and records a song called Bearcat was a response to, or kind of a response song to Big Mama Thornton's 1952 hit, Hound Dog. And everybody, you may not know, people listening may not know Big Mama Thornton's version, but you know Elvis's version of Hound Dog. Wow. And that was Sun Records' first big hit. All right? Wow. So what does that mean? That means the label made money and could invest in other artists. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, so three years later is when Elvis had the hit with Hound Dog also on Sun. In 1960, Rufus moved over to Satellite Records, which soon becomes Stacks Stacks, yeah. And there he recorded Cause I Love You, which was a duet with his daughter Carla, and that song became Stax's first of many hits. So think about that. Two of the most famous uh, record labels in the world. He was the first hit. Think of all the music that came out of Sonic. I mean, you know, people don't know about Rufus. Uh, you know, the masses just don't. 
And isn't it yeah. interesting? You hear Muddy Waters' name, right? In in any conversation in the blues, Robert Johnson right. in any conversation in the blues. Why do you feel like we don't hear Rufus's as much? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I, Rufus is one of those guys. I hope one day somebody makes a movie about him. Wow, this is crazy. Uh, that that seems to be what what wakes folks up. I don't. I don't know if it's a difference, but you get a movie. It's just like the Elvis movie that just came out. Turned on a whole new generation to, to his his. Uh, you know his great music and and what a crazy time that was wow. for him. Let's let's get to a break real quick. Visit Mississippi.org is is it's glowing right now, as I often say. Uh, the conversation we're having right now with Wesley Smith, my pal, head of the Washington County CBB, but it's just so much larger than that, and it doesn't have to be. That's an awesome gig, but the way he lives his life sort of uh, intertwines with his work. And it just comes out so cool. And uh, grateful to have him, uh, especially when I moved back and it was him in, the, in that chair. Uh, that, that is, uh, it's mattered in my life and my career as well. So don't go nowhere. We'll be right back uh, celebrating a lot of cool uh, Mississippi artists uh, through the windows and eyes and soul of the man, Wesley Smith. Hey folks, it's Steve Azar, and if you're a business owner, then you've probably spent too much money on your taxes over the past couple of years, especially as you fought through the pandemic. But you may be eligible to get some of that money back. If your business has five or more W-2 employees, then you could receive up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. It's not a loan, it's a refund on taxes you shouldn't have paid in the first place. This is a tricky program that is misunderstood by the majority of business owners and is best accessed by using lawyers that understand the details. That's why I recommend my friends at Frascona Law. They have already helped thousands of businesses just like yours. They do all the work for you and you don't pay them a dime until you receive your refund money from the IRS. Your business can qualify for these funds even if you receive PPP loans, even if you are a nonprofit even if you've experienced an increase in sales. Let my friends at Frascona Law conduct a free evaluation of your business to help you access up to $26,000 per employee. Visit frasconalaw.com Azar to get started. Frascona is spelled F-R-A-S-C-O-G-N-A. This tax refund is only available for a limited time, so act now. Visit frasconalaw.com Azar to start the process of claiming your business's overpaid taxes. Keeping you up to date with news, weather, and politics that affect you and your family. Up to the minute reports on air and always online at supertalk.fm. Your statewide news network, Supertalk Mississippi News at supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Supertalk Mississippi. Celebrating Mississippi music and the impact it made not only on the country. We've made our way to Memphis into the Midwest so far with uh, today's show. The impact all started right here in Mississippi. Visit Mississippi.org is shining like never before. I'm with my pal Wesley Smith, and we're getting right back to it. Oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Al Al Benson runs a contest for somebody to be a DJ and 
Vivian Carter wins this contest. She gets a 15-minute segment on WGS, and that sort of launches her radio career. But she ends up uh, back in Gary, and she's on WWCA, and she has a, a radio show on six nights a week called Living with Vivian. Hmm. Um, she marries a guy named G- Jimmy Bracken, and in 1950, they open Vivian's record shop in Gary. And in 53, she and, and uh, Jimmy kind of take a big leap. They borrowed 500 bucks from a pawn shop, and they used that money to create their own record label, which was VJ Records. V, V-E-E, was a takeoff on Vivian, and J, J-A-Y, was, was for Jimmy. So VJ Records, also a play on the word DJ. Um, and they start signing local talent. The first band they signed was a, another group of Roosevelt High alums, a group called the Spaniels. And the Spaniels first hit on VJ Records was called Baby It's You, which went to number 10 on the chart, and set up the second release. You'll remember this one, Good Night, Sweetheart, Good Night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know that. Song. Sure. A lot of, Good night, days, sweetheart. Well, it's time to go. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. That's right. Well, just like we talked about Rufus with Stacks and Son, that track generated enough money that it sort it, it set BJ up, you know, for yeah. future success. They ended up moving to Record Row in Chicago. They're just a few blocks down from Chess Records. And they start signing. And I told you earlier how I got into Mississippi music originally was, was listening to Jimmy Reed. Well, Jimmy had been turned down at Chess Records, but BJ picked him up. Huh. Um and I guarantee you, Steve, you have played Jimmy Reed covers earlier, sure. early in your career. Sure. Of course you I did. Yeah. It's hardly a, a, a blues or a rock act that does not have a, a Jimmy Reed song in their, in their set list. But then they start signing what was kind of new at the time, doo-wop. Doo-wop groups were kind of coming on the scene. So they signed the Spaniels, the Dells, the Orioles, El Dorados. They signed Hank Ballard and the Midnighters, who had uh, hits elsewhere. And Hank Ballard wrote a song called The Twist and recorded it with VJ in 1959. And listen to this. So a Baltimore DJ hears the record and calls his buddy Dick Clark at American Bandstand. <laughs> so you got to hear this song. So he's listening to the VJ record, Hank Ballard uh, version. He liked it and he tried to book Ballard. On that, on the American Bandstand, they couldn't get the scheduling right. They had conflicts, so Dick Clark gave up. Found a young Philadelphia artist named Chubby Checker to re-record the song, put it on the show. Come on! And it blew up to number one, became a cultural phenomenon. It even made Hank Ballard's version uh, a hit as well. And then there was a little nightclub, Steve, in Midtown Manhattan called the Peppermint Lounge. It was owned by the Genovese crime family, one of the big mob families. And this was a big, like, hangout for celebrities, Peppermint Lounge, Marilyn Monroe, yeah. Truman Capote, Frank Sinatra, Audrey Hepburn, um, Tennessee Williams, another Mississippi native. They were flocking to this club to do the twist, you know, to do the dance. And the press picked it up, and that sort of became a bigger, made it a bigger cultural phenomenon. But... Let's go back to Gary. So they go back to Gary. BJ keeps releasing records, a lot of them with Mississippi Roots. Jerry Butler from Sunflower, Mississippi. Jerry Butler was in the Impressions and had the big hit for Your Precious Love. Betty Everett, who was from Greenwood, Mississippi, had hits on BJ. This one you'll know more by the Linda Ronset version, but she recorded You're No Good. You remember that? Remember yeah. Linda? You're no good, you're no good. That's no Baby, and her other big hit was the Shoot Shoot song, which years later Cher would redo. 
that it's in his kiss, the shoot shoot song. Wow. Well they go on yeah. DJ goes on, they end up recording D. Clark, Gladys Knight, Cass Elliott from the Mamas and the Papas, Jimi Hendrix, uh David Gates who would would join Bread. Uh, the band Bread, Billy Preston, Gene Chandler, The Four Seasons. A lot of these folks came through VJ. Hmm. Probably the most memorable chapter happened in 1963. There was a young band from Liverpool, England, and they were taken off over there. And their record label in London was EMI. And EMI hmm. offered the rights for American distribution to their subsidiary in Los Angeles, which was Capitol Records. Right. And the bosses at Capitol did not quite grasp what was happening. <laughs> and they passed on the opportunity. So EMI kind of puts it up puts it up for bed. They're trying to find somebody in America to, to release this band here, and they end up cutting a deal with VJ. So think about this. The label created by an African-American woman born in Tunica, Mississippi, <laughs> born 102 years ago this year, Introduce the Beatles to America. There it is again, right there. I got, I, mean, I got chills, man. We're going to continue this conversation in tomorrow's show because I've got a plethora of articles that I want to go over, and this is the most interesting stuff. And nothing celebrates Visit Mississippi more than you are celebrating and boasting right now. Uh, I just think it's a perfect example. So why don't you stand by? And let's do day two. What do you say? It sounds great. I'm up for it. My man Wesley Smith, visitmississippi.org, celebrates everything. Wesley, uh, obviously, is becoming one of the Mississippi Delta's greatest historians when it comes to music and arts. I will see you later. Stand by for tomorrow with my pal Wesley. Later on. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.